Side Order of Empathy is a snack-sized discussion about thriving in your career. Each week we talk about common work challenges, sharing tips, tricks, and most of all, perspective that has helped us personally find success and balance. Come join us. See you in a moment. All right, Natasha. Matt, how are you today? Excellent. Pumped and ready. Let's Pumped talk about and this ready. One. I'm excited about this Woo-hoo. topic that you teed up. So um, tell us what we're, what we're going to chat about here for a few minutes. Help! I've been accused of thinking too much. <laughs> I need a full frontal lobotomy. <laughs> no more thinking. That's funny. Just doing. I wonder if any of our listeners have been accused of being uh, thinking too much. I know in my own career, I am frequently... Um, accused or reminded that I'm very theoretical and um nobody ever says that about me. nobody ever says that about no you. no no <laughs> everyone says I act and then I think about it a few years later no <laughs> quite the opposite <laughs> um yeah I think we both have been have been uh pegged as those philosophical you know uh theoretical guru type people that god they're really really smart but what do they do? Yeah. And yeah. I would point to that as a superpower for me. But like yeah. any superpower, you think about Superman, mm-hmm. it can be your kryptonite too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Most definitely. So how does thinking um, turn out to be um, a superpower for you? Hmm. And what happens when it turns into kryptonite? How does that happen? So I, I think that the, the thing that I do a lot, and you know, this is probably overthinking it again, is, uh, <laughs> is that I try to think very strategically. Um, I've, I've usually gone through about seven different angles that I could get, you know, I'm making up a number, seven or eight, nine, ten, whatever, different angles that something could go before I've done something or said something. And it doesn't always work out, but you know, it's, it's kind of like trained myself to do this. It happens naturally, but then once I recognize it, I do it more. Yes. Um, and so in kind of thinking through all those angles and kind of thinking through what is the essence of the thing that I'm working on, um, how does it become, uh, something that is truly matching up with how I understand, you know, in the work that I do, like human psychology and sociology and, um, people interacting with each other in ways that, uh, that are hard to put our finger on like why do they do what they do why do they think and believe what they do and why won't they share it sometimes (laughs) (laughs) Um, they're irrational right they're all irrational um but then kind of you know the where that becomes kryptonite is uh you know other people can't make those same leaps Mm -hmm. they need to see really concrete tactical like go do this this and this like a list bulleted list yeah and what I find, I'm going to throw in a third thing there, what I find frustrating about that, right, is that many times their lists don't sound very tactical to me at all. They sound devoid of detail, vapid, yes. and could mean anything. Mm-hmm. So you're craving the detail to be able to act. Right, right. So I feel like from my experience when uh, I've been accused of thinking too much, it turns out to be an accurate portrayal and my superpower because being thoughtful and thinking before I speak Mm -hmm. gives me confidence Mm -hmm. and it helps me make sense of the world. 
And then it turns into my kryptonite because when I do start to speak, people will assume that I'm some kind of a smart ass because <laughs> I act like I have it all Fed mapped Tasha, out. She's a snob. <laughs> she's a snob. Who does she, she thinks think she is? in complete paragraphs. What's up with that? Yes. <laughs> this isn't a dissertation. <laughs> but I wanted to go to grad school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's funny how the things that we take comfort in right. can accidentally turn into um, derailers or speed bumps along the way in our interactions with other people. All right, so to that end, what do you do about it? What do I do about it? I have learned to carry myself a little bit more lightly. Okay. And um, Do you wear a funny hat? No, I do not oh. wear a funny hat. <laughs> <laughs> I explain my theories using interpretive dance and people laugh oh, at that. That's no. that's good. I'm that's kidding. very good. I don't do that. Oh, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> we should try it sometime. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um and so I by carrying myself more lightly, I mean that I'm still been very, very thoughtful about contemplative, I have a problem to solve, I work some of the angles before I start to speak. I'm careful not to misspeak because that's just how I'm wired. I'm, I'm a nervous person. But I leave openings mm -hmm. in my long explanations mm -hmm. for people to interject and smush around with the concepts and leave some room for them so that it's not like I have it all That's very out. strategic of you. Oh. I think is it's it tricky? Very strategic. Is it sneaky? Uh, no, I don't think it's sneaky at all. I think, In fact, I think it's an evolution of your superpower yeah. of thinking through things that not only have you thought through the content of what the, the subject matter at hand is, you're also thinking through how do I get this other person or people to... Uh, consider what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. you know, you're leaving room for them to mash it up and move it around. Silence is really powerful. It is for that. And I'm deeply aligned to it philosophically, leaving room for other people to have a role to play in designing the solution and coming up with new ideas. It's just a false perception that when you speak thoughtfully and you've given a lot of consideration right. to something, it's it's not really true to say that you don't care what other people think either. Mm, okay, yeah. okay, That's yeah. a false assumption that folks are jumping to. That's true. I've noticed that I've had to caveat things sometimes with the, you know, with the, the expectation that, look, I'm throwing this stuff out there on purpose to make sure that we are on the same page, make sure we're understanding each other. Yeah. Um, because meanings have words, and I might use words that have different meanings for mm, you. Mm-hmm, yeah. I don't know if that worked just now, flipping the definition on itself. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> look up Matt, meaning. Matt, I think this proves that you think too much. <laughs> oh, I think it does. I think it does. Maybe I need to dance around some more. <laughs> so let's take the example of somebody who does operate with a bias toward action. Mm -hmm. And um, what's the goodness out of that mindset? And how can thinkers like us maybe take a page out of that book? I think they're perceived as decisive. Hmm. I'm not perceived as decisive. And and I think that's a that's a very interesting perception about people who and there's probably like we could probably go on for hours about like perceptions of people like that. But like I think that's the first one that comes to my mind mm -hmm. is decisiveness. Because right? they're ready to act, they're ready to ready step to out. Yeah. And that could probably mean that they they have done 
the quick analysis in their head that this seems like the other 30 times that they've encountered something that seems similar to it. Yeah. And so they're just kind of what people will call acting on instinct, mm -hmm. even yeah. though that's not really a real thing. Like humans don't have an instinct to decide to spend, you know, money on a, you know, a, a marketing campaign. Yeah. That's not an instinct. <laughs> like, we have an instinct to put food in our mouths, right? An instinct to continue breathing, right? <laughs> like, those are, those are different things. Yeah. Well, instinct actually, that's different than a decision. That's not an instinct, but... Um, oh, overthinking it there. Um, but that's that's probably it's the decisiveness. And so when I think about the decisiveness, you know, um, you know, maybe modulating the way we talk about things that maybe everyone else doesn't need to know the rest of the story of how we got there. Right. They just need us to make a decision and just say what it is. Yes, I think I would like to try practicing that a little bit more. I don't need to tell everybody the whole backstory around how I got here. Yeah. Just put it out there and then see where the conversation goes, right? I find for me it feels good to do that because I feel like, look, look, look at this cool thing that we could take apart and you can check my logic and mm -hmm. like we can work through this together. And uh, oh, look at all these angles that I thought of and, you know, nah. Yeah. But again, that gets back to, are they ready to even hear this? Mm -hmm. mm. And are they are they in the mood to like celebrate how smart you are? N no, probably not. Maybe not. No. Okay. No. That's <laughs> <laughs> Come on, other... aren't we all ready to celebrate how smart I am? Uh, it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Where's the cake? <laughs> and the interpretive dance. So one of the other angles that I think uh, those with a bias toward action bring that is useful, and it comes into play in our disciplines has to do with when you start to act and move out, you're starting to get some real ground truth data around what works and doesn't work. Ooh, and now you can pivot and sense and respond point. and um, continue to refine. Whereas sitting around right. for a long time, thinking about it, um, pulling your punches and perfecting it before you're ready to hit the send button. Right. Th that's really no good and so that by the time you do hit the send button it's late people have been waiting for it for a good long while and, and it doesn't it's mean anything anyway too long overcome by events whereas right. you miss the chance to have a back and forth conversation or to put an idea out and then mm. let someone add their idea or put an action forward and then pivot uh -huh. based on what kind of environmental factors you encounter so you're saying that there's a um, there's a balance there yeah, there probably is a balance. <laughs> I like it. Mm -hmm. It's the caveat of no, the hour. it's the caveat of the hour. <laughs> no, I like it, though. That, that, that makes a lot of sense to me, where, you know, you're thinking it through enough to say, well, will we be able to get to the next step? And it's not about me getting to the next step. It's about us getting to the next step. Yeah. And so you're, you're using your thinking superpower to think about how do I get that to happen and get data to, to prove it so that others believe it and move along to something and recognizing that maybe I'm not always right. And the momentum that comes from that and the progress that you can celebrate far outweighs oh, gosh, any sense yes. of who gets to take credit. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a whole other, oh gosh, remember that one. It's yeah. a whole other podcast episode about credit. Yeah, well, that is a good topic. Credit. Put that one on the list. Yes. I think one more thing, though, that I want to say around this concept of the to the deep thinkers out there who are tu tuning in to a side order of empathy, let's not be 
ashamed of being thoughtful and contemplative. Let's not try to conceal or hide that. It's okay to take a little bit of pride in being the person on a team, a diverse team, who has looked at all of the angles and accumulated a well-defined point of view. Right. So we don't have to be jerks about it, but we also don't have to play dumb. Yeah, that's I I think that's a, I'm glad you brought that up cuz that's not what we're advocating. Mm-hmm. You know, to play dumb or to hide the fact that you've thought through things. Um just, you know, it's a balance of modulating it that well, you know, not everyone's ready to hear it. Yeah, and when you put together great teams, right. hopefully you've got uh, at least a couple of thinkers in the group and mm-hmm. you've got a couple of people who are ready to act and do. Yeah, that's 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 probably gets into like the what happens when the doer's decisions don't work out and like how do you carry yourself afterwards and mm-hmm. you want people to be drawing on you for information if you're the thinker and not be like the I told you so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a good place to wrap up. Yeah. Um, where did we start this? I'm thinking too much. <laughs> <laughs> I've been accused of I've being too thoughtful. I've been accused of thinking too much. So we really talked around how that could be a superpower, but it doesn't take long before you get in the basement with it and it turns into some kryptonite and some good right. examples for right. how thoughtful people can do a better job of yeah. working with others when they've been accused of thinking too much and some of it has to do with holding your ideas lightly and leaving room for other people to join the conversation. But um, not being ashamed of being the thoughtful one and right. um, knowing that you contribute a really unique, essential skill to a diverse and high-performing team. And maybe at times um, applying your thoughtfulness toward not necessarily the content of the problem, but how do you get other people to engage with thinking this through? Yeah. So you're not the one thinker. You're creating a right. group of diverse, amazing, creative, innovative thinkers. Together you Ooh. come up with something that one individual wouldn't have been able to. That's tingly. I like it. I like it. Okay, well, let's end on the tingle. <laughs> I like it. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. A side order of empathy can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and at a sideorderofempathy.com. Thank you for listening.